and welcome to the week 13 edition of the Megabyte here on the lines of lines.com. Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, Adam Candy coming to you. If you want to follow them on the Twitter, you should. Stephen Andrus one, Adam Candy two E's, no Y. If you hate, your, hate yourself, you can follow me at Matt Brown M2. And uh, what we're doing here is everything absolutely free, breaking down each and every NFL game throughout the course of the season. If you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button. Absolutely free. Everything we do, actually, absolutely free. So be sure and take advantage of all that. Guys, we sometimes talk about the Thursday games if it means something moving forward. And so I think it is we should take two minutes to talk about that game because obviously the Dallas Cowboys, a very real contender in the NFC. And so we need to kind of come out of this and try to figure out what we liked, disliked, everything out of that. I currently have the Cowboys number three in my power ratings. I see no reason to downgrade them from that. I will say with this, defense is, you know, look, the defense is going to have an off game every now and then. And so I'm not like taking anything away with, with that. I will say this. What I will take away is you guys have talked about McCarthy. I kind of like shunned it to the side. I'm kind of like, this team's so talented. Where, And then you see the way that that game ended last night. And that, to me, lets me know that the Cowboys are like, yes, true contenders, but not as true contenders as the Eagles and the 49ers because the way that McCarthy mismanaged the end of that game, you can't do that against the Eagles or the Niners and get away. You can get away with that against the Seahawks, but you can't do that at all. If you are going to kick the field goal, then you have to run the ball 100% of the time. If you're going to go for it on fourth down, sure, you can pass it because you're going to pass it twice, and that's fine. You have a 50% chance. But, um, Adam, that was my biggest takeaway is that McCarthy and his decision-making, to me, might end up costing this Cowboys team down the line, and that's unfortunate because this offense is a juggernaut. The defense, more times than not, is very, very, very good, and um, I think that he might coach them out of – I think he might coach them out of some of the – some of the glory they could have. You know what, Matt? I'll go even farther on the strategy. Even if you are going for it on fourth down, you still have to run it on third because at the very worst, you've taken 40 more seconds off the clock, period. There, there's no defensible reason for calling a throw to the end zone on third down and then ultimately A low percentage throw to the end goal. zone. <laughs> yeah, a, a low percentage <laughs> throw to the end zone. There's no reason for, for calling that. Um Last four weeks, Cowboys defensive EPA per play on defense. They are the number 18 team in the league, and they have not really played much of anyone outside of that Eagles game in which I think we all agree that they were a coin flip to potentially win that game against the Philadelphia Eagles. But I I can't get there on Cowboys as high as three. Uh, in the power ratings, but I also realize that there aren't that many other contenders that you can move up a whole lot higher than them. I have them at kind of a strong five, soft four uh, in there with Baltimore, and I think that their their ascent is more about the lack of quality throughout the rest of the NFL and the fact that their flaws, other than McCarthy, can be covered up with the way the offense is played. Steven, we got... Uh... We got Eugene last night. We didn't even get Gino. We got Eugene from back in West Virginia against Baylor where he threw for like 700 yards and eight touchdowns. Like we got like the good version of, of Gino last night, 334 and three touchdowns. And, you know, it, it still was spoiled because the Cowboys ended up winning the game. But um, it was the Cowboys for me because of the lack of 
elite teams in the NFL still have to be as high as they are for me. But I, you know, if there was a team that I could feel comfortable about bumping them for, I would probably do it this coming week. But again, it's just, we, we have, there's a lack of truly elite teams, you know, and, and the Cowboys kind of fit in that category for me. So the the criticisms for Mike McCarthy are warranted if we don't take them completely out of context. Like it may be something that could hurt them against a tougher opponent, but as you mentioned, Matt, the list is quite short on who the tougher opponents are at this point. So all of this is in context of whether the Cowboys can win the Super Bowl because let's not forget they scored 41 points again last night. That's pretty good. So yeah. did not punt. I did- but unfortunately, neither did the Seahawks. <laughs> I Yeah, correct. I, I did not think we'd get to this point in the season and start wondering if actually Kellen Moore was the dope and Mike McCarthy was the sharp <laughs> one with the play calling. But here we are. Uh, it's, it's just wild what they've done and how much passing over expectation they've done. And also the other kind of big picture thought I've had even before that game and last night on Thursday just, just reiterated it in my own mind. We came into the season with the assumption that the AFC would be the toughest path to the Super Bowl compared to the NFC. That's completely flipped in my mind. I think that it's yeah. a murderer's row in the NFC with the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. The Seahawks showed us a lot more than what we thought they were to that point last night. And I can shoot holes in all of these AFC teams. We have four teams that are basically in the mix to get the one seed in the AFC. And I can shoot holes in every one of them, including the Kansas City Chiefs at this point. So... I think the AFC is a lot more wide open for a team to kind of get hot and make a run versus what the NFC is at this point where I'd be shocked if it's not one of the Eagles, Niners, or the Cowboys. We probably could yeah. get into a Adam, longer uh, discussion of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We probably could get into a longer discussion of that. I don't think it's flipped that hard, but I, I also realize that you know what we've seen out of Philadelphia and San Francisco is certainly uh, a little scarier than what we've seen out of most of the AFC teams. Yeah, I, I just yeah, I, I'm I'm more in line with Steven, I think. I mean, I think that there's a major drop off between the Eagles and uh, the Cowboys and the Niners and everybody else in the NFC, where I think it's pretty much just kind of a mishmash over there in the AFC. Like I, I think there's a pretty big drop off in that in that division. Uh one other thing, uh, Steven, I know you and I have it in the account. Hopefully people did or whatever. Not saying it's going to hit. But uh, here we go. 35 to one Dak Prescott MVP is um, is alive and well, and it is down to uh, one seventh of that right now. And so uh, hopefully that got into people's accounts out there as well, because, again, he can go out and win it like Hertz can win it as well. Hertz might be able to win it this weekend, but we'll get to that uh, a little bit later whenever we get into all of the other things here. But Miami Dolphins and the Washington Commanders. This is nine and a half across the board in favor of the Dolphins on the road against the Commanders. 49 and a half is your total. Seems like a high total, but we know the Dolphins can pile up points. We know that the Commanders at least have it in them to get garbage time points. We've seen that a couple of times this year with them. So, Adam, I've heard some people say we just can't be betting overs in today's NFL, you know, with totals at 49 and a half. That's just not a profitable way to go about things. I'm kind of pumping the brakes in this game. Uh, I think the Dolphins probably could go for high 30s themselves, and then you're not really asking very much from the commanders. So I I think the total's appropriate at 49 and a half. And honestly, at 10, it's a no play for me because I don't really know what the Dolphins' strategy is going to be moving forward with all this. McDaniel seems to be kind of like playing the 4D chess stuff. So 
Uh, it's it's just a pass for me overall, but I do want to make sure that the Dolphins go out there and and stomp a bad opponent like they should. Two things for me about this game that I'll get out quickly because I'm not ultimately going to play it. My number on this is actually closer to Miami 5, 5.5. However, with what I saw out of Washington last week in a spot where I thought Washington was getting uh, too many points against Dallas and the way that they laid down in the second half uh, gives me questions about motivation for this team, gives me questions about the future of Ron Rivera when they are out there firing their defensive coordinator midseason. And it makes it so that even though the number says to me, take Washington, I'm going to lay off this entirely. As for the total, the one play I would get involved in this is with an under. I think this number actually is a little bit high considering the fact that we're looking at a potential weather game in Washington on a bad track that could be a bad track with uh, rain on it as well. And I also feel like the Miami defense has at least come around a bit here over the last month or so. So again, I'll stay off it. If I were going to do anything, I would probably look it under. Steven, uh, Dolphins, a team that's high up in everybody's power ratings as well. And we have a Washington team that has certainly plummeted in everybody's power ratings uh thought the defense was going to be good this year turned out that's not the case got rid of their two best weapons as part of the case of that not being any good got some return and here we sit with nearly a double digit favorite miami on the road so first big picture on miami i saw the market consensus ratings like i'm sure you guys did as well for this week and they have miami above philadelphia at this point which i think is ludicrous like that's that's way too high at this point for Miami. We've seen what they look like against the other contenders in the NFL. And to me, they still have to prove it at this point. But this is certainly not one of those teams. This is almost a repeat conversation for me on the commanders of what we had for the Thanksgiving game last week, where is the number getting too big? Yes, but also... Are we downgrading Washington enough after the trades they made to their pass rush and the volatility that they have any given week with this offense? So it's just too random for me. I will say that, you know, another reason for everybody to get into the free Discord for the lines.com homepage, top right hand corner, you can join. All of us in the Discord are holding a minus six and a half look ahead ticket on Miami, which looks really good right now. And to me, at this point, there's there's really not much else to do. The only thing I would really say is, you know, this is this is unorthodox. This is expensive. I, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you were to maybe do like a, a two or a three way teaser on on Miami, a seven pointer to get it down to two and a half. If you don't care about the juice, maybe that's something you could do. But I, I don't really want to do anything here. I'm just confident that Miami's going to win the game. Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. This is one. There's one, one and a half out there in favor of the Colts on the road against the Titans. 42 and a half is the prevailing total. Steven, we see the Titans hold on last week. Survivor people survived because they picked the Titans and they were able to get by the Panthers, even though they tried to give it to the Panthers every which way possible. The Colts are what they are, right? Jonathan Taylor, we know, going to miss about a month for them. Goes and gets thumb surgery, so it's going to be the Zach Moss show for the Colts against this Titans squad. You get at the Titans through the air. I don't know if Gardner Minshew is the dude for it, but I will say this. Uh, there's at least a chance that all those turnover-worthy plays that Gardner Minshew throws and all the turnovers he has versus good defenses might not really affect him here against the Titans, who are just almost the nut low when it comes to defending the pass. So, I kind of expect the Colts 
to have a decent showing through the air here. I think I'm looking more in a prop market for this one as opposed to a actual side or total. But what say you? Curious what your prop is because I see that the Colts are dead last in rush D success rate over, uh, well, several weeks since week five. So I think the Titans are going to be able to move the ball in this game despite the fact that they have an inexperienced quarterback. I also think that Shane Steichen maybe overpowers what Gardner Minshew could be on any given week. I, I have a ton of respect at this point for what Shane Steichen has done with this team. Never thought in a million years that they would be in the playoff picture after Thanksgiving, but here we are. So I, I think that, um, you know, you're taking a little bit of a danger here whenever you're backing Gardner Minshew to score some points. So I still like it though. I, I bet over 42 and a half in this game between the, the Colts and the Titans if you look at the first meeting between the two teams, really bad luck that it went under that number. Colts posted seven yards per play in a game where they had the quarterback change. That's where Anthony Richardson got hurt and Minshew came in. Uh, for context, five and a half is is the league average, or um, you know, and, and last year was the league average. He's even lower than that this year. Titans in that game also posted six yards per play. Now it was Ryan Tannehill. It is not. It was not Will Levis. But with their ability to probably run the ball in this game, also combined with the fact that they went two for nine in the red zone in that first meeting, maybe some positive regression there. So I think this sets up pretty well for an over. And I, I think Steichen's a big reason for that for me. I, I have a lot of respect for what he's done as a play caller over the past couple of years. Adam, it's a, it's it's kind of a gross game from a team standpoint for sure but if we look at the standings it's not all that gross I mean we have a Colts team sitting six and five squarely in the playoff hunt so this game means a ton for them in the grand scheme of things what do you see here in this one they're not in the playoff hunt they're in the playoffs like this team is actually uh, a team that is not only right now in a spot, uh, has a path when you look at what else is to come for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, to me, it's a stay away game because there are too many injury questions. There are injury questions along the offensive line for the Indianapolis Colts. On the Titans side, we don't have 100% clarity on who's going to start this game at quarterback uh, or at least who's going to finish this game at quarterback. So... I don't know that I want to get involved with this. You'd mentioned the fact that there's one, one and a half on the board. I don't think Tennessee as a seven and a half point uh, dog is a bad teaser leg. If you're looking for something to pair things up with, but for me, too many questions, I will pass on Indianapolis, Tennessee. Yeah. Looking for me when I was said that, that I was looking at a, at a, at a prop here. Um, Josh Downs is pretty clearly the number two there for a Colts team. And if I believe that they're going to be super pass heavy in this game, which I do, um, he's sitting at 51 and a half. And so with 51 and a half, I think that that's a decent look on the receiving yardage for, for downs. He was out. Um, he, he missed a couple of games and then he came back and now this will be a second game back. So I think whenever we kind of take a look here, this is a dude who's, running routes on 72% of dropbacks, which is really, really good. If you see, he's getting pretty high percentage targets as well. His catchable targets rate is 77%. So, like, he's he's getting some some good quality targets along the way. 
as well. And so for me, uh, I like Downs as a as a receiving prop. And honestly, Pittman, if you wanted to play Pittman instead, I think Pittman gets peppered a ton in this game as well. Uh, Matt, to add to that with Downs, watching a little bit of that game last week, the, sh- the shiftiness and the speed is all back for him. Like he looks the way that he mm-hmm. should look. So I like yardage as the play there as opposed to receptions. Good call. And people should be looking at snap counts here too. Cause if you look at his overall box scores and game logs, like it's, he has got a couple games over the past couple of weeks where he only had one and three targets, but he played less than 30% of the snaps in those games. So to, to your point, Matt, when he's actually playing, he is being targeted. All right, let's move on here to a game that is uh, in my account. I couldn't believe it is the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Jets. This is a point and a half to two in favor of the Falcons on the road in the against the Jets. Thirty three and a half is your total. Adam, when we take a look at this one, the Jets are going to be going with Tim Boyle yet again, which is why we are seeing one of these ridiculously low totals. And we know that it is Desmond Ritter. For the Falcons, who in his return did not look spectacular, but at least they decided to ride Bijan Robinson, and that actually ended up working out for them. What do you say here as the Falcons is a two-point favorite on the road? This is tough, but I also have something in on this game, and I don't like it, but it is something that is not to be ignored with where the total is and where the side is. I have Jets plus eight and a half on teaser leg. Um, I'm not in love with it, but I can't ignore the fact that it's a total of 33 and you're talking about getting eight and a half points because who are the Atlanta Falcons beating by multiple scores? I know that they looked good last week in a game in which the Saints looked absolutely terrible, but a lot of that also had to do with the injury concerns of the Saints overall. I don't see where Desmond Ritter versus this Jets defense is a particularly strong matchup for Atlanta. I don't also see where an Atlanta defense that does have its strong points. They Right now, the last four weeks, though, non-garbage time, they're a middle-of-the-pack defense overall. So could this game be 17-10 Falcons? Could this game be 14-7 Falcons? Yeah, absolutely. I, I do not see how the Atlanta Falcons are beating anybody by multiple scores. Steven, I put the minus two in the account on the Falcons. Uh, Tim Boyle is now that we now that it doesn't look like, you know, we don't have PJ Walker starting in the NFL anymore. I think Tim Boyle's the worst quarterback in the NFL. And so I'm going to just ride a team at less than a field goal against the worst quarterback in the NFL. I think the Falcons defense is at least middling. And with that, they'll be able to get a couple of short fields and hopefully that'll be enough to cover a two in which a team would like the jets. I think you and I are the only ones that just really tumbled the jets in the power ratings. But like, for me, I'm sick of holding on to this whole, the jets defense, the jets defense, the jets defense. It does not matter how good your defense is. If you can't score 10 points in a game, like, like, is, like, is it, Sauce Gardner playing running back this week or yeah, wide receiver. Yeah. Like if you can't score 10 points, then I don't care. So I have them down low twenties, like, uh, and that is, and I feel perfectly fine having them down low twenties, in the power ratings this week. And so, and if you look since week eight, kind of under the radar, yes, the Jets defense is still good and they're very tough to pass against, but their run defense is split to 20th. And so if they really are going to ride B. John Robinson, and that is a big leap of faith because we know Arthur Smith, who who the hell knows what he, what he's going to do. But if they really are going to ride B. John Robinson, 
there actually might be a little bit of a path to success there as well. So I put the two in the account. I don't love it. I'm back in Desmond Ritter. Like hopefully Desmond Ritter plays a very little role in this game and I, I'm not sweating it a ton, but that's in the account. What about you? Basically did the same thing as you, except in such a low total game, I decided to just take take money line on the Falcons yeah. and not even deal with the one or two points because things can get a little squirrely here when it's such a low total. I, I'll just take the money line and pay a little extra juice on the Falcons. And, you know, everything Adam said is correct about the teaser leg. And I guess we find out if Tim Boyle is the one that lets the Falcons win by double digit points. I don't know. But mathematically, it makes a ton of sense. For me, I just was a little bit more comfortable just betting against Tim Boyle because, I don't know how many more weeks in the history of the NFL we're going to get a chance to bet against Tim Boyle, and I'm I'm going for it because the market told us he was worse than Zach Wilson significantly with that spread last week, and he showed us that he can only amount 4.7 yards per attempt and two more interceptions to go with his career 7%, close to 8% interception rate. So, And on the flip side, listen, I know when you bet the Falcons, you're, you're trusting that Desmond Ritter just doesn't kill this for you against a good defense. He had two more interceptions last week, but for what it's worth, he was the number eight quarterback by success rate last week in week 12. And to your point, Matt, Art Smith coming off the bye has given B. John Robinson a lot more work here. And Drake London's gotten more targets too. Enough of the Johnu Smith nonsense in this offense. So yeah, I'm happy to just lay some extra juice and, and take Tim Boyle to lose a game this week. Uh, question here, and this is more for Steven on the price there. What what was the price on the money line for Atlanta? I paid it like uh, earlier this week. It was like minus 145. You could get minus 130, I think, at this point. Um, yeah, last time I checked here, I think it's like minus 130 now. Here's my thought process here. If I'm going to play Atlanta, I'm probably going to lay the two because in the end, the outcomes at one and two to me are not worth paying the extra in that situation. Frankly, if I'm going to play Atlanta, I might even run this out beyond a field goal. I might run this out to five and a half or so because I I don't see a situation where Atlanta is winning this game six, three or, you know, something absolutely ridiculous like that. If you think Atlanta can move the ball against the Jets defense. To me, that's the whole handicap in the end. If you think Atlanta can move the ball enough that they're able to score, then you're confident Atlanta is going to win this game by outside of a field goal. Ooh, I am not, but you might you might be. I am not. I've seen enough of Atlanta to not be confident that they can win. Well, you know what side I'm actually on. You know what side yeah. I'm actually on here. So I, I am, I'm just talking about not. the strategy um, side. Like, like, if we're talking about a three nothing game, like I, I would be like, yeah, all right, uh, three nothing game. Like, I, I, I mean, sir, and I, I say that with only a, only about eighty percent sarcasm. Like, all right, so like let me let me ask you a question, Matt. Matt, you're talking about how the Jets can be can be had against the run. So the question I'm going to ask you is, what would your expected score here be for Atlanta? Well, uh, just team total. Well, the, the range of outcome, I don't twenty. I'll take 20. would be like the top end, like, uh, like somewhere 17, 20, uh, 17, it, 20, it, 14 is 13, 13, 14 is certainly within the realm of possibility. Okay. Uh, I, I think if your confidence level is high enough that Atlanta is going to run the ball, run down the clock, get 14 to 17 points, you, you can feel comfortable that outside of a defensive score, 
you're probably winning this game by by outside of two points. But, you know, again, we've spent enough time talking about a game with a 33 total. It's it's interesting, though. I, the deal is I, like, I kind of like – I think both angles are perfectly fine. Like, I would play your teaser, too, because I don't have confidence that they win by nine-plus. And then, you know, but I do think that they – but I do think that they win because I just don't think there's going to be enough scoring one way or the other. So it's, it's pretty interesting that I kind of like both sides when it comes to to all that. Uh, Arizona Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is five and a half in favor of the Steelers at home over the Cardinals. 41, 41 and a half is your total. So, Stephen, it's a, it's a little bit of an interesting uh, handicap for us here because Arizona – has been without Trey McBride, has been without Hollywood Brown, has been without Michael Wilson in practice all week long, but then we get reports that they're at least hopeful that those guys are going to play this week, which makes this, to me, almost an impossible handicap because that's the entire offense for the Cardinals. <laughs> like, so, if I, I mean, it's a game, for me, I, I don't, I don't know how you could back the car. Basically what I'm saying is it's a one-way play for me because it would only be the Steelers. I could never back the Cardinals at any number with the entire offense essentially on the sideline. And so, I don't know, almost an impossible handicap as we try to do this on a Friday because we're going to have to wait until 90 minutes before game time to figure out what these what these dudes are going to do. And maybe the Cardinals are motivated to just say, hey, why don't you get a little healthier this week? Because losses are good for them at this point. Um I, and they have an quote, out. I should, I should, I should, I should say this too. You, you say that like tongue in cheek, but like they have an out by doing that because they have a buy next week. So you could, in theory, then just go, "Hey, you know, we're keeping them out because we got a buy next week." Yeah, fair. And we're keeping them out through the buy. Full disclosure: I bet. Arizona plus three and a half on the look ahead. That was before mm -hmm. I saw what the Steelers offense looks like without Matt Canada. And I have cashed that bet out and taken a small loss on it. Yeah. I'm, I'm out. I'm done. I said, I'm going to start fresh and re handicap this game at the current number. So that's what this is now. Forget the look ahead bet that I made. I'm out on it. Small loss. Move on. Sometimes that happens when you better look ahead. All right. Steelers are at minus five and a half as we record here. They had 6.2 yards per play against Cincinnati last week in that first game without Matt Canada. Cincinnati is 26th and 30th defensively in EPA and success rate. Arizona is 31st and 32nd defensively in those two metrics. The Steelers only won by six. They had a low scoring game, but they also were only one for four in the red zone. And this is an offense with Matt Canada last year that was 52% in the red zone. So far this year, they're only 43%. Maybe a new OC change in week two will get a little bit of positive regression for when they get to the red zone. The Pittsburgh defense is also top 10 by EPA and success rate this year. Since Kyler Murray came back for the Cardinals, he's played three games. He is 23rd by EPA, 28th by dropback EPA, the overall offense, that is. And Kyler is ranking 20, 29th out of 31 quarterbacks with at least 60 plays in EPA plus CPOE composite. That is behind Gardner Minshew, Tommy DeVito, Tim Boyle, Bryce Young, and Aiden O'Connell. And those three games were not exactly a difficult schedule of defenses against Atlanta, Houston, and the Rams. Steelers minus five and a half is the bet, and I feel pretty good about it. Adam, um, five and a half. Steelers, 41, 41 and a half is the total. 
how do you see this one? Uh, you know, look, it's it's uh, oh, we maybe there's some news coming through as this moves to six uh, as we as we sit here. So maybe all those guys aren't playing. Uh, Adam, start talking and I'll start looking. Yes, dance, Adam, dance. Uh, the <laughs> biggest change for me is the Pat Fryermuth situation and what it indicates about what the change is in this Pittsburgh offense. We don't get opportunities this late in the season very often to be betting on the high level of variance that you get with changing a play caller, right? It doesn't happen that often throughout the year. We don't have to have a lot of respect for the Pittsburgh offense in a game against the Bengals, and we don't have to have a lot of respect for it in a game against the Arizona Cardinals. Before I finish the rest of my handicap, Matt, did I give you enough time to figure out what's going on? It hasn't come through the Twitter yet, but I, I can got tell it. You this. I got it. Michael it Wilson ruled out Marquise Brown trending towards playing. What do they say about McBride, though? That's the uh, real key. I mean, he's the guy that's getting monkey, twelve dance monkey dance, and I'll look yeah. a little more. Right, yeah, I mean, he's the guy that's he's the guy that's like getting twelve. You know, he's the guy that's getting twelve twelve targets a game. You know, so so let's practicing let's talk about again this on Friday with his groin. Yeah, let's talk about this for a second. So uh-huh. on the year up until this point, if you look at where the Steelers were throwing the ball, Kenny Pickett basically wouldn't challenge the middle of the field. Right, he he would not go over into the area where the linebackers live and. Up until this point, whole season long, 198 passes outside the numbers for Kenny Kenny Pickett on the year. And you look at on the season, he was, let me do the quick math here, just about over 100 in terms of passes between the numbers. Then you go back and you look at what they've done last week. And Pat Fryermuth had 11 targets and Kenny Pickett was 11 to 15 throwing the ball over the middle. All of this is to say... When you look at the fact that the Steelers went over 400 yards for the first time in 40 games, there actually is a little bit of signal in the fact that they're doing this differently than they have in the past. And so I'm with Matt that it's Cardinals or pass. I have, pardon me, rephrase. I'm with Matt that it is Steelers or pass. I haven't gotten to the point that Steven has of placing the bet. It's a lean for me right now. I want to see a full injury report. But for me, it is definitely on the side of Steelers or nothing else. I, uh, it has gone to six and a half at a couple of uh, places Here. as well. So like, I'm wondering if people Ooh, know buddy. something we don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's moved an entire point through a semi key number. Uh, here since we have just been doing this game breakdown. Maybe so. maybe the limits went up and they decided that the Cardinals are terrible. That's what <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, the, I, you know, to Adam's point, though, about the tight end, I, I actually took a shot here on some of this variance, too, because I did it with a Pat Fryermuth prop. And I did one of those corny social media ladders because I think like all outcomes are possible here after what they showed with how they're going to use him last week. So half unit over 34 and a half receiving yards, half unit split between alts of 50 plus 75 plus and 100 plus at plus 195 plus 525 and plus 1500 respectively. Like I, I think this could be another huge game for Fryer Muth here if this is accurate of what we're seeing and going to be something moving forward yeah like we said uh sitting here interesting this is kind of popping all over the place so there's some disagreement out in the market you'll know you'll know more than we will by the time you watch this uh detroit lions and the new orleans saints and this is currently sitting four four and a half lions on the road against the saints 46 and a half to 47 is the total we're wondering who the hell's going to catch the ball for the Saints. Um, that's kind of the biggest thing that we're, we're we're looking at here. The 
one, two, and three all go down last week. We know that a couple of them probably not going to play uh, this week whenever it comes into it. Yet we see a total of 46 and a half to 47, which also is uh, fairly interesting. So, Adam, I'll start with you on this one. When we look and see, you know, a, a four, four and a half, Lions on the road. We've seen kind of we've seen a little bit of the weakness here with the Lions. They can be had on the defensive side still. Um, that being said, dome game. We're not having to worry about you know golf and his little hands outside and all the you know all the things like that. Um, so that's not a concern. What do you see here from from this one? If I asked you just off the top of your head to tell me who in the last six weeks or four weeks, because I just did both. Who is the worst defense in football by EPA per play outside of garbage time? Who would you take? Worst, single well, worst. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and see, see, think that you're leading the witness here, and I'm going to say the Lions. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely leading the witness and saying it is the Detroit Lions. In a league that has the Arizona Cardinals, the New York Giants, the New England Patriots, the Los Angeles Chargers of Anaheim, you have all of these teams, and none of them have been worse than the Detroit Lions on an EPA per play basis on defense. And so that's why, even though to me this total comes in looking ridiculously high, I think it's pricing in the variance that you get with these two teams and the fact that neither one of them has been particularly good on defense. The Saints have been 23rd by the same measure over the same period of time in the last six weeks, and they are beaten to hell on defense with uh, with Cam Jordan uh, not practicing, with Marshawn Lattimore out, and then you mentioned the problems that they have on the, uh, on the receiving court. Now... The reason that I'm not playing Detroit in a game in which I think this number is a little bit off is that there are enough questions for me about the Detroit offensive line, which is so much to do with their success. When you've got Jonah Jackson potentially trending toward not playing again, Frank Ragnow again nursing injury that I don't want to get involved with laying more than a field goal on the road with the Detroit team where the defense has been struggling. Long way to saying pass, but I also wanted to get to where I think that 47 number prices in an appropriate amount of weirdness that could be in this game yeah it's so this is the one this is the game adam that i i going back to your your falcons jets take it's like if i'm gonna play the lions at four which is like fours insignificant like i'm bringing this all the way out to like six and a half on the lions like yeah like like right under the touchdown and getting big plus money on them for that because it's either going to like work or it doesn't, right? Like when the Lions work, it's and the it's they score a ton of points, and then the Saints we know are not going to score a ton of points no matter what because it's just the way they are. I mean, the Saints. I think the top end on the Saints is what like twenty points probably in this game, and so yeah, th this is the one where if I'm on the Lions side, it's like Lions all the way up to six and a half, and maybe even an alt on them at like nine and a half to get a double digit win or something. That's where I think this is fairly um, fairly appropriate. Steven, what you see here in Lions and Saints? I think Adam laid out this, and you did as well, the, the whole situation with the spread. So I, I stayed away from it. Uh, I think Chris Olave still has a chance to play this week despite the concussion. He got a couple of limited practices. So keep an eye out. We don't have the Friday report yet. I think he needs a full, a full practice on Friday to have a chance to clear the protocol this week if I understand the new protocols well and i can't promise i 100 percent know that but yes. um so that's where we're at with the lobby he still has a chance to play as we record here on early friday afternoon if he plays 
that's that's a big deal with how putrid the Lions defense is. Uh, I bet this earlier in the week at over 44 and a half. That's As a you guys one. mentioned, we're at, yeah. we're at 47 now. If for whatever reason people out there watching later this weekend see a 46 and a half, I would still bet the over on that just with, with how bad these defenses are trending. And um, if Olave plays, that's a big deal too. Yeah, it's uh, 47. We don't talk about key numbers and totals very often. 47, if there was going to be one, is is definitely one. So um, 46 and a half, as you mentioned, would be kind of a, a, a buy point there on, on that. Los Angeles Chargers and the New England Patriots. This is five and a half in favor of the Chargers on the road against the Patriots. 40 is our total, Stephen. It is going to be the Bailey Zappi show now for the Patriots. A lot of people out there would say can't be much worse. I don't know. I think it could be. Zappi, uh, <laughs> he had the one good game last year, and then everything kind of fell off a cliff with him really, really quickly. Uh, that's being said, the Chargers are what the Chargers are, and this defense can't stop anybody. And the biggest thing for me is if you believe it's like veteran rest day and all that, then that's fine. But the Keenan Allen situation is pretty concerning for me because Keenan Allen is this entire offense. And that is two consecutive DNPs on Wednesday and Thursday. We don't have the Friday report as of yet. But let me tell you, uh, no Keenan Allen, and there is no way in hell I would even consider backing the Chargers because who in the hell else are they going to throw to out there? So that's kind of where I sit currently with this one. I'll take it one further. If Keenan Allen plays, I'm still not sure who they're going to throw <laughs> to because Bill Belichick, as we know, over the past 20 years is infamous for taking away your number one option and making you go somewhere else. And That's Austin, he, Eckler, had, he didn't have the personnel to do that this year, though. He hadn't they hadn't been doing that with anybody like well, there's there. They don't have the personnel, right, look, but in the same. But OK, so let's start with the Chargers offense in particular, because we all know Mike Williams was gone. But to me, maybe just as important or at least making it tougher for them was when Josh Palmer went down. Now they're down two reliable targets for Justin Herbert. So since Palmer went down in week nine, the offense is number 24 by success rate. They're also um, just not great at running the ball either. As I mentioned with, with Austin Eckler, they're, they're bottom five in the league there. They cannot consistently move the ball at this point. This is not the high powered chargers offense that we all thought they would be in that same span to your point about the, the injuries for new England, that same span, the New England defense is still number six by success rate defense and number two in stopping the run by success rate as well. So, again, even if Keenan Allen plays, I don't know how they're moving the ball in this game. But at the same time, we we keep doing this with quarterbacks. It can't be worse than that guy when there's a quarterback change. Well, Zach Wilson was about the worst you could get as a starting quarterback. And Tim Boyle is worse. We've seen this over and over again. It can be worse. Bailey Zappi can be worse. And even if he's a little bit better, it doesn't mean they're all of a sudden viable. Like, it's it's not great. So I'm not interested in taking the points with New England as well because, you know, why can't this final score be 17-7 to Chargers, 14-6 Chargers, 13-6, 20-13? Like, all of those are still a Chargers cover. But all of that comes around to me betting under 40 and a half in this game because I don't see how either team moves the ball offensively with what they're trotting out there. Adam, we got uh, the most disappointing team in the NFL, and I'll go ahead and say that. I think the Chargers are the most disappointing team 
in the NFL this season. I get it. There were injuries along the way. They weren't lighting it up when they were at full strength. So I don't want to hear any of that stuff. So like, I, I think most disappointing team in the NFL, I guess the team in the Patriots that, I mean, they'll never do it, but you and I both know it's actually in their best interest to lose out. Like they, they, they know they want to reset at the quarterback position as it is. Anyway, they're in a prime position right now to get one of those quarterbacks in the draft, but that's not what Bill Belichick's going to do. So, um, you know, here we sit five, five and a half in favor of the Chargers on the road. Oh, Bill Belichick might just well do it because if you look at that performance against the New York Giants last week, that was not a team trying to win <laughs> a football game by any stretch of the imagination. The 10 points the Giants scored were both off turnovers that gave them short fields and then New England hooked a field goal, wink, wink, at the end of the game that gave them the opportunity <laughs> to get ahead of the Giants significantly in the race for a quarterback. Not that I'm bitter. Now, <laughs> I want to take Steven's angle and I want to play it out a little bit farther because Matt talked to you about the defense and the fact that the Chargers can't stop anybody, right? That's been true all season long. Now, you look at the totals that Steven just gave you, right? Potential game scores, 17-7, 20-13, whatever the case might be. The number sitting at 40, I don't think prices in a game script that exists. I think if you think that the Chargers defense is so abysmal that they can't stop anyone, that I think you believe that this game probably plays well into the mid-40s, right? Like, if you think the New England offense is going to be able to move the ball, then I think you probably believe this game could play 24-20 or something along those lines. I don't. I'm not there. I actually believe that this game plays well under 40 and a half. So I was looking up some alts a moment ago. You can get under 33 and a half at plus 200 right now at DraftKings. If you're going to play the under, play the under in this game. You're looking at a Chargers offense that has no receivers to throw to. You're looking at a New England offense that has no quarterback to speak of. And you're looking at a track in New England that is probably going to be wet with rain, and you're looking at two offenses that I believe are going to slog along throughout this game. So if you want to play what's on the board right now, absolutely. I'm with Steven. I'm playing under 40 and a half, but I think your value here is in pushing this way down on an alt to where this game likely plays to me, which is something more along the lines of what even a 20 to 13 gets you home on a plus 200 number at 33 and a half. And like, look, He's an absolute beast. He's an animal. But I'm looking at the prop market right now, guys. Like, there's a 91 and a half on Keenan Allen out there right now. No way. Right? Whoa, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, there no. is. There is a 91 and a half out there on Keenan Allen right now. Look. Excuse me a one, second while I go find it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh it's the little, it's the little blue shield, if you were wondering. Uh if you're if you're if you're trying to go. If you're trying to go play, which by the way, you can look all this stuff up on our handy dandy little uh, prop finder tool out there. But listen, one, if we think this thing plays low and we think that this is going to be a slog, and, and honestly, I think that they just run Ramondre Stevenson like 7,000 times this game. This might be like the shortest game ever. Also, two, this is a quad injury for Keenan Allen. So like, even if he guts it out, there's like a chance he doesn't even finish the game, right? I mean, like this is like a wide receiver with a quad injury that DNP'd both Wednesday and Thursday. Again, just something to throw out there. There's a 91 and a half out there on Keenan Allen. That seems excessively high to me uh, in a game like this. So that's a that's a play that's getting in my account as well, too. So you can you can book that one for me. 
Denver Broncos and the Houston Texans. This is three pretty much across the board. It seems there's one kind of rogue three and a half left out there. 47 and a half is the total. The reason this is uh, come off of that other side of three is we're trying to wonder who the Texans are going to have to throw the ball to. We know Tank Dell's been limited in practice. We know Dalton Schultz is very unlikely to go at this point. I'm reading a report from a, a beat writer right now that says he was not seen at practice during the media portion today. So that that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to play, but uh, that's at least out there as well. Uh, so we now are kind of down to the flat three universally here on the Texans at home against the Broncos, who your opinion on the Broncos is going to very greatly de- to someone else's opinion on the Broncos. Like there is going to be people are going to say, Hey, they've started to play better. And there's going to be people who point to like, Oh, it's turnover variance. And there's going to be some people who say like, ah, oh, those other teams are just not playing optimally to be. So there, there's a whole lot of different opinions here on this Broncos team, which is pretty interesting. Cause I'm glad that I'm able to have this discussion with you guys, because I, I want to see which side of the fence you're on here with the Broncos squad, but interesting game all around, because as you talked about earlier, Adam, like, as the Colts are fairly, or I mean, are squarely in the playoff hunt, as are the Houston Texans. I just got this weird text on my phone. Um, it says Chase Bank Denver. Oh crap! It's a fraud <laughs> alert. Oh no! Oh, I got the fraud <laughs> alert from Denver. God, go. I can't there believe that that came into my phone at just I the right you. time on the podcast for me to talk about it. That I was perfect. <laughs> crazy how those things happen they've won five in a row and i love the fact that they've beaten a couple of very good teams along the road in kansas city patrick mahomes had the flu and buffalo right before everything got real wonky uh up there but what has been real among the fraudulent wins for the denver broncos is that the defense has been very very good and a lot better than it has been the rest of the year and by the time you take the 70-point game against Miami out of the equation, your numbers overall on Denver's defense look a lot better. They have allowed in the last five games during this win streak, 17, 9, 22, 20, and 12. And I will at least mention that those games, four of them were at home, and now they're coming into a major, major stretch of road games where you're going to find out a lot more about this Denver team. But take what I just talked about with the Denver defense. Take what I just talked about with... Uh, what Matt just talked about with the injuries to the Houston Texans offensively. I know the advanced metrics tell you that these two teams have been pretty damn good offensively in the last few weeks. I still think 47 and a half is too high for what we're looking at with the Denver Broncos defense and the questions about the Houston offense. Overall, it's a total that to me suggests that you have to believe two things. One, you have to believe that CJ Stroud is going to be more first nine to ten weeks cj stroud than he has been the last couple of weeks you also have to believe that this denver broncos offense is fixed and i really don't think they are if you look at the passing epa versus success rate numbers it is a major skew right now to epa over success rate meaning it's been a lot of explosive plays that have gone the way of the denver broncos in order to create this offense for them and as much as it's possible that they have that in them it's just not a repeatable thing that i want to be betting on so under 47 and a half for me steven it's a uh it's it's an interesting game all around because i'm looking at a denver squad so 
I always play devil's advocate, like with the way that I'm leaning in games and stuff. And like, I go, Hey Matt, if we're talking about this game next week and Denver won this by six on the road over the Texans, like, would you be, would you be shocked? Would you be, would you be sitting there going like, how in the hell did that happen? And I actually wouldn't. And so when that's the case, it kind of leads me off of a game because I was leaning towards the Texans. I thought that this would be the spot where the Texans kind of go, okay, we're actually a real team. Denver's been kind of skating by, getting fairly lucky. But that that possibility, like that game outcome, is actually not out of the realm of possibility for me. And so with that being the case, I'm going to go ahead and and pass on it. But I'm interested to see how you're you're looking here at Denver and the Texans. I bet Broncos plus three and a half. And yeah. I think it's one of my favorite bets this week. Yeah. And I hear all of the arguments that the Broncos are frauds. And I think that's a bit strong. I don't think that they should be downgraded by any stretch of the imagination off of this five game winning streak. And what I wanted to double check was kind of the market consensus ratings. Uh, ben Baldwin does a great job of putting those out every week on Twitter kind of just give you an idea of, of where the market is with ratings on each of these teams. And over the past month, at no point, if I give the Texans two points of home field advantage, do I even get to Denver minus three in this game, let alone three and a half. And now as we record, the number's three. Most of the three and a halfs are gone. So, but the point still stands. At no point over the past month, in the middle of the Texans getting upgraded and the Broncos winning games and people shooting holes into their resume has, has this ever been Denver or has this ever been Houston minus three at home? Again, if you give two points to Houston for home field, so that number one, that number two, during the five game winning streak, certainly understand the arguments about turnover variance and how repeatable is that? That is what has led to the Broncos defense being top 10 in EPA per play allowed defensively during this winning streak. But I'll counterpoint with those games were against the Chiefs, Bills, Vikings, Packers, and Browns. Browns, whatever. But some good offenses in there that they faced. Challenging offenses for a defense. And they showed up and played well. In that same span, the Houston defense is 23rd by EPA per play allowed. And don't get me wrong, I'm not going to get on this pod and say that C.J. Stroud is not as good as Russell Wilson. That's ridiculous at this point. But for what it's worth, during this five-game winning streak, Russell Wilson's completion percentage over expected is better than C.J. Stroud's. They're not asking him to do a lot. And what he's doing is protecting the football. He has zero interceptions during this winning streak. So he's not going to go light the world on fire and be old-school Russ Wilson throwing the ball downfield a ton. But he's protecting the football, valuing possessions. I think the matchup is good for him to do that again this week. And I'm getting three and a half. And I would argue that three is still maybe not the right number in this game. Yeah, three. I, if, if three and a half can't come back up between now and then, I'd probably take a small piece of Denver. because It's just, look, Dalton Schultz is a big part of this offense. He's not going to play. He, he DMP'd both days. Like, he's not going to play. Noah Brown's missed the last two games. Still limited in practice. He may or may not play, but he's not going to be 100%. Tank Dell. DMP Wednesday, limited practice on Thursday, and it's a calf injury for a wide receiver that relies on his speed and his quick twitch and all the things like that. So it's just not trending very well for the Texans right now from, for me, from an offensive standpoint, right? And so we know the defense can be had. We've seen the defense get torched all, all year long. So I don't, it's, it's kind of like if they can't fight back, 
because that's like basically what the Texans are, right? It's, it's yeah, our defense gives it up, but our offense is good enough to fight back. Like we're going to be able to go kind of blow for blow with you, but without a, you know, hundred percent Dell, no Schultz, maybe, maybe not Noah Brown, but he's certainly not gonna be hundred percent either. It's just tough for me to get there. I think if three and a half pops again, I'll probably come in on the, on the Broncos. I'm pissed. I missed the four and a half. I should have gotten in on the four and a half and I didn't. So it is what it is. Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer, 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Uh, Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is five, five and a half in favor of the Bucs at home. 36 and a half, 37 is your total. Worst team in the NFL are the Carolina Panthers. We know that at least. Tampa Bay, on the other hand, is going to be going without basically their entire defense. There's going to be no Dean. There's going to be no David. There's going to be no Devin White. So it is going to be, if there was ever a chance for the Panthers to look like an NFL team, like all the good players on the Bucs defense aren't playing. Uh, this was our fear with the Bucs all year long, right? We said it's an older team. Like they have dudes, but those dudes holding up all season long is like very, is not likely. Well, finally here in week 13 is when the old dudes start to break down. Steven, that being said, I ain't going and putting in no Carolina Panthers ticket, my friend. Like, this would have to get to a six and a half. I'd need the other side of six, and it's not going to get there. So, it's just a it's just a pass for me and probably a game I don't even have to watch. If you want to hear the Panthers argument and the angle, you can go listen to our sister show, Beat the Closing Number, to hear that angle. Um, part of it is the change in head coach. But to me, we've already seen the other play caller. We've had a couple yeah. weeks of Thomas Brown. <laughs> Didn't exactly impress. So um, I, this is too rich, though, for me to back Tampa Bay at, at such a big number. Um, so I, I'm good. I, I will be hopeful for a better number on Tampa Bay. If I can get a three live on Tampa Bay, I'd consider that. But at this point, there's really nothing for me to do here, to be honest with you. Adam, we're, we're getting reports now that, like, you know, we're finding out just exactly how – horrible of an owner Tepper is that like he has gone down and like handed specific plays to coaches and said, run this play at certain times and all the things like that or whatever. And then now we get interim coaches who know that like, maybe there's a shred that they might be held on to and stuff or whatever, like owners meddling and all. like, I don't know, man, it's, it's, 
with the, with the state of the Bucks defense, I probably should be on the Bucks. And the fact that Chris Godwin pops up on the injury report, like on Thursday, which is n- never good when you pop up on the injury report when you weren't on a Wednesday. But um, I think I've seen enough of terrible Panthers to just kind of want to stay away. I don't know. What say you? I'm going to do a real short handicap here, guys. Which one of these teams is scoring 20? <laughs> right. I feel like you're eating the witness again and going to say no, neither. <laughs> Under. I don't care if this game has already gotten down to 37. There is still 137.5 on the board if you can get your hands on it. This game is a dead under to me. Uh, and I think that you're actually potentially even getting more value if you bet it now. Because if you look at the Carolina defense, there are a lot of names that could come back this week for them. I don't know if we have any more information today on J.C. Horn, Jeremy Chin, Xavier Woods, on and on and on. They could be getting healthy, and we know that Jiro Evero has actually held this defense together with the guys that he does have. So I don't trust Bryce Young. I don't trust the Tampa Bay offense against a good defense. Under. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's rough. I mean, this is this is two programs that really going to be searching for answers in the offseason. That is for sure. Here it is, fellas. The game we've been waiting to talk about the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. This is three fairly universally across the board. There is an expensive two and a half still on the 49ers total sitting 47 and a half to 48. We hear the news that Dallas Goddard is back at practice and wants to play now still has to be medically cleared so that's a thing um so wanting to play is all fine and dandy but um so fellas i'll kick this off um steve and i put in a i I put in a ticket adam put in a ticket second that this thing came out and uh i took the one one and a half actually so we do i do a show on sundays the lines are coming out it was at one I'm like, I'm going to bet this. And then by the end of the segment, it already gone to one and a half. So I didn't, I didn't get the one. I got the one and a half. Then it's two, two and a half, three start hitting. Then there was a little toggle back and forth between three and two and a half. But uh, you guys know how high I am in the Eagles. I, I love the Eagles. But if you look, brutal stretch of games for this team. And then the other deal about this, guys, is like long break for the 49ers. And then you get the, and then you get the overtime game for the Eagles. And Adam, the defense for the Eagles was on the field for 92 plays against that Bills team. And we know that was a slog of a game. Like everything, it wasn't 92 easy plays. It was 92 tough plays. And now you get the best team in the NFL coming in. You got Fletcher Cox, who's banged up. You got Davis, who's banged up. That doesn't bode well when you looked at like the one thing that you looked at about this team is like, well, at least you know you can't run against them. So, like you you can kind of scratch that off. That's not the case if Clax and, and Davis can't play. I just think a lot is in the in favor of the 49ers in this one, Adam. What say you? So let's dig in a little bit on this. Uh you're looking at a game that's sitting three and forty seven and a half is the total I'm seeing in most spots. Your handicap to me comes down to whether or not you think Philadelphia can move the ball. Because I don't think there's any question about a healthy San Francisco moving the ball against anyone in football. Right, You can book San Francisco for 24 to 27 points, I think, pretty easily against most teams in the NFL. And you saw Buffalo 
last week be able to move the ball with relative ease against this Philadelphia defense. And that was, as you mentioned, Matt, before they were on the field for 90 plus plays. So your handicap to me comes down to whether or not you think the Eagles are going to have success on the offensive side of the ball. If you think the Eagles can be successful offensively, then I have no trouble playing Philadelphia plus three. Or if you want to wait on this, considering it is a Sunday night game, you might potentially get San Francisco three and a half with as much as the public likes to bet favorites. If you are able to suss your handicap out and say, you know what? I don't think Philadelphia can move the ball. Then actually like under, because I don't think Philadelphia is going to be able to do its part And I think San Francisco will slow this game down precipitously if they're in a situation to try to put a stranglehold on it. And you could get something in the range of 27-17 or 27-20 that still gets you home on a 47.5. So for me, it's been a lot of totals this week. And I think that that shows overall where I see the NFL, where I see nine quality teams in the NFL and then a bunch of dreck. And these are two of the quality teams in the league. I have my top three basically all right next to each other, these being two of them. So I do not necessarily believe Philadelphia is in a great spot here, especially when you consider the mini buy for San Francisco. I don't want anything to do with the side. If I were going to go one way with this, I would probably go toward the under. Yeah, it's uh, the only thing that scares me about the under is the Eagles offense has actually been pretty efficient too. I mean, I know the first half of last week would lead people to believe otherwise, but outside of that, like the offense has been pretty efficient. If we think the 49ers are going to be able to do their deal here, I don't know. That's the only thing that scares me. Well, I that, think the number's appropriate. And that that's where, and Matt, that's why I said, if you think Philadelphia's offense yeah. is efficient enough to do its part, then I probably want the points with the Eagles, right? Because then I'm looking at two great offenses that I think are probably going to be trading back and forth, and then I'm not getting involved with the total. I do do think um, Shanahan probably smart enough to go path of least resistance. The problem is, is I don't know exactly who is the beneficiary of that. Maybe it's just Purdy over on attempts, like pass attempts, and then that way it doesn't matter who he throws to. We just need him throwing the ball. So maybe that's the angle here, but uh, of course that is ga- that is uh, injury dependent on the the Cox and Davis situation as well. So we won't be able to make that play until we figure out what's going on there. But if they are both going to play, uh, the Eagles are pretty tough to run against, and, and even San Francisco as good as they are running the ball, that's not the easiest way to go about this. And I just don't know why you would square peg round hole when you're as good throwing the ball as you are at the 49ers. So uh, maybe a Purdy over on attempts once we figure out what's going on with that Eagles defensive line, Stephen. 49ers, Eagles, game of the week. Good bet by you. Getting the number early in the week, that was the way to go. Uh, For where we are now at three, this is, without question, the most expensive price you will have had to pay for the Niners at any point this season. It's... They've never been priced this high in the market at any point, even before their three-game losing streak. So, to me, I think it's probably not great process to buy high on a team here unless you think there's a really big matchup advantage. And I'm not sure there is one in this. I think this is, these are two of the best teams in the league and they're, I mean, all I ask as a Niners fan is please don't try and block Hassan Reddick with a backup tight end again and get Brock Purdy's elbow torn up. Like that's what I ask. So, all right. So, if, if you're going to be interested in buying low on the Eagles here, because despite them having the best record in the NFL, 
you can buy low on them at this point. That's what this number indicates. There's two matchups that caught my eye. And the 49ers offensive line and pass protection is one of them against the Eagles defensive linemen, their interior and their edge rushers. Because if you look at the grading all throughout the year, my concern coming into the season was the right side of the offensive line. And it hasn't hurt them because to my, in my opinion, the quality of their schedule hasn't been that great. They've had a pretty easy schedule, but at least in terms of the grading and metrics, Everybody except for Trent Williams is a below average pass blocker on this offensive line. And now they face one of the most ferocious pass rushes in the NFL in Philadelphia. Maybe that will matter. Maybe Shanahan can scheme it where it won't matter. The other side is on defense for the 49ers. To me, it's almost like the defense has been built to beat the Chiefs and win the Super Bowl, but forgot that they still have to beat the Eagles to get to that point because they're, they're very good at, at getting pressure without blitzing, but they're not very good in the run game. They're not very good rush defenders. In fact, they're not top 20 by DVOA, EPA, or success rate in stopping the run. And the Philadelphia rushing offense has been steadily improving after getting off to a slow start. They're back to top five in the NFL at this point. And if you look individually on the San Francisco defense... There's only two defenders in the front seven that have plus grades in terms of, of rush defense, and it's Nick Bosa and Fred Warner. So there are some matchup advantages here for me as a 49ers fan that cause me concern, but I might be getting too micro. I will admit that. I might be getting too micro in this matchup because overall, the Eagles are negative in net yards per play over the past three weeks against quality opponents. They've been getting by by the skin of their teeth with some fumble luck and whatnot. And the Niners are number three in net yards per play on the season. So maybe I'm getting too micro. I don't know. I, I confused myself. I didn't bet the game. But that those were those would be the arguments I would make if I was interested in betting the Eagles at plus three here. Uh, Adam, I had said we were going to circle back to that MVP talk that we had at the top of the pod. And so we do have a game sitting right here with some guys whose names are in the MVP race. And I, I want to throw this out to you guys because listen, I'm the guy who's continually said Brock Purdy has no chance of winning the MVP. However, this is a very reactionary market. As we know, Jalen hurts is your overwhelming favorite right now at plus plus one fifty. And if they win this game, he's probably going to win it. But if they lose this game, Purdy is still sitting at 13 to one at DraftKings. So you're getting way outside. I think Lamar has no shot, right? Like Lamar's counting stats aren't going to be anywhere near all these other guys. Like it's just not going, it's just not going to happen. And certainly the way that they've really fallen in love with the run, he's going to probably have even less statistical uh, fortune over the rest of the season as well. I just want to throw it out there. If you do want a longer shot ticket in your account, just because it's something that feels good, Purdy's number is going to dr is going to drop significantly because it is a head to head against the leader. All right, so let's make the case here, right? I don't think it's impossible to make a case for Brock Purdy. Uh, we can use the numbers and talk about what he's been able to do all season long because at some point we're going to get in this discussion to the spot where we say. It doesn't matter about system, right? At some point, we're going to start putting numbers against numbers and we're going to say it doesn't matter what system the guy's in. And Brock Purdy, overall, by just about any number you want to go by, by the advanced metrics, has been markedly better than the field, right? In terms of just EPA per play alone, Brock Purdy is ahead of Tua, 
by the same margin that Tua is ahead of Patrick Mahomes, and he's number one in all of football. So once the stat nerds like ourselves start really getting into the discussion with Brock Purdy, then yeah, I think you are going to be able to make a case for him, especially in a year where I don't think there really is a clear MVP. So obviously you guys have great value on having Dak where you have him right now because no one should be 35 to one who's part of the race at the moment. But you're right. Brock Purdy is going to become part of this discussion if San Francisco wins. Yeah, Stephen, I I look at this and it's kind of like, okay, there's a chance for Dak to play his way out of it without even playing badly, right? Because their stretch of games moving forward, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, right? Like that is four very tough games. And even if he plays well and they go two and two, we know how people view that in the market, right? And then let's, we know the very tough stretch of games that the Eagles have as well. And so you start to look at this and say, well, I mean, as much as I thought it was not going to happen because the credit would either go to Shanahan or when he throws for 320, they say, oh, but did you see Ayuk after the catch and all these things like that? There might just be, as Adam painted, kind of like no choice, right? Because it's just these other guys are like playing well, but their teams are going, you know, 500 or a little bit better than 500 and all that. And then you kind of look here with this 49ers team, they get past the Eagles. And then it's Seahawks, Cardinals, Ravens, Commanders, Rams. Like, yes, one tough game left against the Ravens, but, like, they're going to spank the other four teams. I think it's probably worth, if you, especially if you have a good portfolio of MVP tickets, it's probably worth adding a, a, a at least a piece of Purdy in there. Uh, so I think things like EPA, when you're trying to assess value in awards markets, are important because it can help you kind of figure out who has the best chance of, ass- of amassing some stats the rest of the season. But at some point, we also have to circle back and say, who are these NFL voters who skew older and don't look at advanced metrics going to vote for? And I don't see how Brock Purdy has any chance of winning this award unless he's the one seed. And because and the reason for that is because his statistics, like counting stats-wise, not efficiency, I get that, but counting stats wise are very far behind the other candidates in terms of, you know, overall passing yards like Dak Prescott or total touchdowns. He's well, by, he has 21 total touchdowns. Jalen Hurts has 29. So that's kind of the, the needle he has to thread in my mind, because to get the one seed, he has to win this week. And he also needs Jalen Hurts to lose to the Cowboys next week. That would create a tie at three losses apiece, And the Niners would have the head to head over the Eagles. That's asking a lot. So to me, this is still in all likelihood Jalen Hurts. Even if he loses this game to the 49ers, it's still his to lose in my mind because of the number of touchdowns he's amassed at this point, because of how close the voters got him to winning the MVP last year. He probably would have won it if he didn't get hurt. And the Eagles oh, he are going to win. He was going to yeah, win for sure. And yeah. don't remind me, I had a fat ticket on him yeah, then. Yeah, it, it sucked. Uh, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at here. I'm, I'm holding that Dak ticket just like you. And the more and more I think about it, I feel like I'm holding a ticket that's going to age really well to get to the second choice on the board. That's what I think. I'm not interested in literally anybody else at this point, because I think Jalen hurts has a very high probability of winning this award. Even if he loses the night, I I need him to have any chance of it not being Jalen hurts. Matt, doesn't he have to lose the next two games? Well, Adam, let me let me paint a picture for you. I know you have a thought anyway, but I, I want to get your thought as on top of your thought that you have. So we know now that it's ranked choice voting. 
So couldn't we get a scenario in which Purdy gets like so many second place votes and, and like enough first place votes and the shit is split all over the place between Tua and, and Mahomes and Hertz and Dak and whatever that he could, that he could end up winning. You just made part of the point that I was going to make, oh. which is the, about, no, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did that. That's part of my point as well is that if it were just a matter of voting first place, it would be a different thing. But the fact that it's ranked choice voting, I think is actually going to be a help to Purdy in that case. And I want to play out the scenario that Steven just laid out where he talked about Purdy has to win this week and then have Jalen Hurts lose next week. Well, if you have the portfolio that you guys have where you're holding Dak, then you absolutely want to hold a piece of Purdy at the same rate because, right, like you want to be holding both Dak and Purdy in the scenario that Steven just laid out because then you've got your 30, 35 to one ticket and you've got a 13 to one ticket and you probably have the whole market pretty well surrounded at that point. Or the Eagles win this week and he's minus 300. Yeah, right. Well, if the look, if the Eagles, I think if the Eagles win this week, all of the rest of your tickets that we're talking about here are dead. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, no question. Yeah. This is just about building a portfolio. I mean, like, yeah, we're, we're just talking here. Yes. I mean, it hurts. But we're at the point where the, we're, we have a one game that is a pivot point where we can build all the portfolio we want of long shots, but we at least need to make sure everybody understands if that one game doesn't go our way, we're kind of screwed. Most likely, most likely, more than likely, but yeah, there's, there's still pass outside of that, but yes, more than likely. All right. Cleveland Browns and the Los Angeles Rams. This is sitting three and a half, four in favor of the Rams at home over the Browns. 40 and a half is our total. Steven, I'll start with you on this one. We don't have the, we don't have the full report yet. It is going to be Joe Flacco unless DTR is able to clear concussion protocol He's a quarterback clearing concussion protocol in a week. We know it's very, very tough to do, but we shall see. I took a piece of the Browns at four and a half on the thought that it was going to be Flacco. Like I just didn't, you know, I just didn't think that there was going to be a shot in which DTR makes it back in a week, but I could be proven wrong. And if that's the case, I'm holding a ticket that I'm not really in love with, but I think Flacco is actually kind of the quarterback you want for this Browns team, right? It's the absolute game manager who's not going to go win you the game, but won't lose you the game either. And if you're just going to be a team that relies on your defense as it is anyway, then that's the type of quarterback you want, right? I mean, like, it's just, you want the guy that's going to go out and get you enough first downs to where you can win a game 13 to seven or so, whatever, or 13, 10 or whatever it might be. So that's my thought in all of this. It looks like Amari Cooper's going to go. It looks like Garrett's going to go. So it does not like it's Cleveland Browns team is going to be super shorthanded or anything. So for me, the four and a half was still too much. There's still four out there. There's still three and a half out there. I think anything on the other side of a three, I would still play. Unless, of course, DTR clears concussion protocol, in which point I, ha- I will hate my ticket. I couldn't stomach uh, betting on Joe Flacco in the year of our Lord 2023, but I certainly understand your logic behind it. And you're also getting by far the best of the numbers here because this was one on the look ahead. And now we're all the way out past the key number of three. So good process by you. Certainly get it. Um, I would only be interested in the Rams if we got back to that original number. But just because I, I trust this offense a lot more than I do the, the Browns offense at this point, we're not going to get it. So I'm looking more into the future for the Rams to see if there's spots where I want to back them. Because, you know, 
credit Adam Chernoff for pointing this out, but I do want to at least consider that maybe Kyron Williams, a running back, mattered more than we all thought because what were the Rams before he got injured from week one to six is when he played. I'm going to take out the week six game against the Cardinals because I don't care who, what anybody does against the Cardinals defense. So from week one to five, the Rams offense was top 10 by EPA, both passing and rushing the ball. And they're also above average in success rate. And they were not anywhere near as productive when, when, when Kyron Williams wasn't playing. So I'm not backing them this week against the number one defense in the league in Cleveland, but if healthy, if they get through this game healthy against a ferocious defense, I am kind of curious to back the Rams next week against the Ravens if we're still above a touchdown on that spread, and that's where we're at on the look at. Adam, uh, it's not a fun ticket to have in your account, uh, a Browns ticket. I, I Trust me, I pump fake three different times before I actually hit the submit, but it just kind of is what it is. I thought the number just wasn't appropriate for what I kind of consider the, the game to be. Rams offense, weirdly, has been kind of clunky. Uh, of late, actually, they've been kind of clunky since Cooper Cup came back, which you would think that that would not be the situation, but that's since since he's been back in there, it hasn't really flowed a ton, uh, specifically in the past game. What say you here, Browns and Rams? Well, I would just add to what Steven is saying. If you're going to pull out the week six about, about Kyron Williams, then you're going to look at last week. That was also the Cardinals last week. So, you know, right. You also, gotta, why gotta, I didn't want to play him this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, be, just be cautious there if you're, if you're playing it that way. Uh, Matt, it's it's Miles Garrett and Amari Cooper that that have me on the pump fake with you there, and I know that they're both supposed to go, but I also realize that for a Browns team that has more to play for, that this is not the game that they're going to run it out to win, right? This is a a game out of conference where if they find themselves down by 14 points in the third quarter, I don't believe that they're going to really stretch out the injured guys to try to win this game. They have much more important games coming up than this one. So it's a lean on Cleveland. I'm with you on that. I don't want to buy the noise about Cleveland and their defense on the road as opposed to at home because I think that simplifies things a little bit too much. But what doesn't simplify things too much is if Miles Garrett is really truly healthy or not. Miles Garrett might be out on that field, and Miles Garrett might not be healthy. And he is one of the single biggest difference makers when it comes to how I'm going to look at a team. So I'm right there with you on the fact that it's Cleveland or pass. But for me, as of now, injury situation-wise, it's pass. Sunday night football breakdown here on the lines. It is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers. This is six across the board in favor of the Chiefs on the road at the Packers. 42 and a half is your total. I see coming through the Twitter machine right now. Andy Reid says everybody should be good to go for the Chiefs. So they have no injury concerns in this one. We know that Aaron Jones for the Packers, always a concern. Jair Alexander, all these different guys that have been battling injuries all season long for the Packers are all showing up on the injury report for them. Adam, if we take a look at this game, I mean, look, I moved the Chiefs down to four. I know that's not a big move or whatever. I moved the Chiefs down to four of my power ratings. The offense has just been too, too hit and miss, right? I mean, yes, they ended up getting the win in the cover last week against the Raiders, but for an entire half, it was just an absolute it was just an absolute sputtering. I mean, they couldn't figure anything out and couldn't get anything going. And, you know, you go on like long spurts like that against good teams and you're going to lose games. And so I, I, I mean, again, not a big move, but moved them down to four in the ratings this week for me. We've actually seen signs of life 
from the Packers. I think that can probably be directly correlated to Christian Watson being back out there at full strength because you didn't have a number one for a very long time for Jordan Love. And seems like maybe a couple less boneheaded plays out of him too over the last few weeks. But do you see anything here in this one? Six, 42 and a half. All right, kids, settle in. Here comes the list of limited participants or DNPs for the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Jair Alexander, Devondre Campbell, Kenny Clark, Josiah DeGuerra, A.J. Dillon, Rudy Ford, Rashawn Gary, Aaron Jones, Jaden Reed, and Robert Rochelle. That is just the guys who are listed as either limited or DNP, and that is why I'm going to wait on this, and I actually probably will be on Packers if we get a good health report. This has all the makings to me of one of those games that Kansas City wins by a field goal late in the game uh, where they're either up three or four and they're running out the clock because Jordan Love has played a little better than you thought he was going to, right? Uh, We said that Jordan Love early in the season was bad, bad. He was bad, bad. But if you take it in the aggregate, which is what you have to do when you have a sample as small as you have on Jordan Love, right? We don't have previous years to use on Jordan Love. We basically have the first 12 weeks. You're going to get a quarterback who, by the advanced metrics, is middle of the road, right? You're going to get him around 12, 13. And in today's NFL, that's more than enough to keep a game inside of a score with a Kansas City team that cannot extend on anyone outside of a Raiders defense that got really, really exposed last week for exactly what they are. But that being said, there are too many injuries on this Packers offense right now to want to play them at the current number, not knowing who's going to be able to go. I would keep a close eye on this before Sunday night. If you get an injury report that is favorable, then I think taking six or, again, think about what's going to happen. Sunday night game, Kansas City is involved. You're probably going to see money in on the Chiefs, and you might just want to wait as long as you possibly can and get the biggest number you can on Green Bay if you're like me and that's the side you like. Yeah, so here's... uh... Here's a little bit here, Stephen. I mean, heading into this one, and it's look, it's not, it's not jumping off the page, but since week eight, it's a month sample. Green Bay defense, fourteenth in EPA allowed, fourteenth in success rate allowed. It's not look, it's 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 middle of the pack, but it's not bad. And so you see the offense play a little bit better as well. So maybe they are creeping more towards kind of a league average to slightly above league average team. And we have actually seen the Chiefs kind of struggle against teams with a pulse a little bit. And as we sit here, Aaron Jones is out for Sunday. Stokes is doubtful. Everyone else will be listed as questionable, it says. So that is actually coming through as we are recording this right now. So um, what do you see here in this one? I feel like for me, it's like if it's a bad injury report for the for the Packers, it's probably going to end up as a teaser leg for me on the Chiefs. And if it's a good injury report for the Packers, then it probably ends up as a Packers play, which I know doesn't help a ton of people like watching this right now who want to go make a bet, but it is at least kind of how I'm thinking in this one. It makes sense to me. I think overall we're all kind of in agreement that the Packers might be a team that we're going to be supporting and betting on the rest of the season here when they get a lot easier competition because it lightens up significantly after they play the Chiefs this week. Over those past four games, you mentioned the defense, Matt. Jordan Love in that span, number four quarterback by EPA and CPOE composite. So uh, have to at least note, though, the competition that he faced and the defenses he played. He played the Rams defense, the Steelers defense, 
the Chargers and the Lions defenses. So three of those, I think we all agree, were not very impressive. So um, I don't know if he's going to look the same against a much tougher defense, the number two pressure rate defense in the league with Kansas City and a defensive coordinator that can get pretty complex and game specific and make quarterbacks kind of uneasy. So this is a huge test for Jordan Love. No bet for me, but I, I think Arrow up here as long as the injury report goes our way in future weeks. And just a quick note on Monday Night Football. Of course, we'll have a separate uh, video for that one. I do have a teaser. I have the Cowboys teaser leg from Thursday night rolling into the Jaguars. Um, it's, to me, if you didn't open up a teaser, guys, and you're watching this, like you can open up. You, there's a, no, there is a couple of options this week. It's not a great week for teasers, actually, but you can roll it into next week where there are some options next week as well. Like Monday night, I'd really like doing that, actually, like opening up Monday night teasers into the next week because – you know if you're one leg home already, which is pretty good entering the week as it is anyway. And if not, that gives you the chance to kind of re, re-fire, right? Like kind of re-up with some of the other teaser legs that you like. So, Adam, for me, love the Jags and teaser leg. I mean, look, Cincinnati's going to have T. Higgins back, but I don't think it really matters with the quarterback situation they've got going on. Honestly, Cincinnati should try to lose out because that would put them in a situation to get a really good receiver and they can let T. Higgins walk and all that. But let's not get into the business of all that. But, um uh, Jags here to me on the uptrend as well. I think we're kind of seeing the Jags of uh, that we kind of expected heading into the season here. So getting them under a field goal, I think, is a gift. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you on Jags. I don't think Jake Browning is good, but more important than that, since his defense really has looked not the part over the last month or so. So I think it's pretty clear that this Jacksonville team is one that seems to rise up against the really bad teams. And right now, Cincinnati is a pretty bad team. Steven, you, uh, I saw you nodding as well. You like the Jags teaser like Jags Cowboys is the first bet I put in the account mm-hmm. this week. That doesn't help anybody now with Cowboys. Everything you just said about finding some teaser legs maybe for next week, because I, I agree I'm not comfortable with any of the other teaser legs left on the board. Uh, so if you can roll it into next week, do that. Um, the Bengals are really bad, guys. Like, the Bengals are bad, bad. You take away yeah. Joe Burrow, and I don't know what's left, because overall in the season, they are 32nd in the NFL in yards per play allowed. So this defense is horrendous. Yeah, you really start to realize what what an elite quarterback brings to the table when you take Burrow out of that offense because him being able to mask all those offensive line problems is just it's just absurd like I mean like these other quarterbacks are just not able to do it and you know anyway it, he'll be back he'll be back you know Jesus H Burrow will be back next year he he went and got he like will, a pick he will rise again I I gave him my wrist ligament and he took nine other wrist ligaments he put them all together he refused them like he took some old man from me he took some young stuff he took like a pig he like he put together he's gonna have the best wrist that's ever been uh been put into a human being so we'll we'll be looking forward to that uh next year guys as we say each and every week look everything we do is absolutely free and so Take advantage of that. Hit that subscribe button. 40,000 other people have already done it, so you might as well do it too. Hit that subscribe button here on the channel. And as we mentioned, we are talking in the Discord all the time, so upper right-hand corner of thelines.com, and you can join that Discord conversation absolutely free as well. If you're playing props, if you're not using the prop finder, you are doing it wrong. It's the green button in the middle of the page. Hit it and always get the best number. Trust me, it matters sometimes. So go ahead shop around make sure you are getting the best number on all those props out there a yard or two here and there can make a difference over the course of a season for steven for adam i'm matt good luck 
on all your Week 13 bets.